He who fights monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. I am on the unfettered pursuit of truth. I'm Kayla Perry, and this is Honestly Unorthodox. All right, everybody, welcome back to Honestly Unorthodox. I have quite the jokester with us today. He requires hardly an introduction. Dr. Matt Broadhead, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm thrilled. Looking forward to this, this moment in time, and here we are. I know. Are we sure it's even real? Yeah, I I don't know. It's I've I've been living in a number of like twilight zones lately, so <laughs> it may not. If this is a dream, I hope I I hope a kid doesn't barge into my room and wake me up from it. That would be the <laughs> that would be the ultimate alarm clock and in, back into real life. Yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> it's, <laughs> I experience it quite a bit. <laughs> so you can't really dream in your twilight zone very often. No, <laughs> that's unfortunate. It's okay. It's okay. You're plugging along, huh? Well, I like my dreams in color anyway, right? So if I'm dreaming in the Twilight Zone, it's all black and white anyway. So true. There's a plus to that. Mm-hmm. You bring up good points, Matt B. The Matt B. Okay, first of all, how are you with all of this going on with Michigan State? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's you know it's been really tough, um, and. I am very grateful for the support that we have um, received from people within our community and outside, friends and family. It's um, the emotions are really weird because uh, you almost feel guilt for being grateful um, because we're unharmed or or weren't in the vicinity or directly experienced the violence. Um, Yeah. But it's, uh, the uh, the healing will be slow and I think be different for everybody, which is okay. Um, mm-hmm. But we have a strong community here um, and I hope some good comes of it. But, um, you know, we will find out. So it's a day by day process and we're all here for each other, which is which is good. That is. That's great. Yeah. Are, are there any, uh, not initiatives, but is there any kind of plan? to get back or is it more just taking it day by day? Well, we're, we're back, you know, a week after it happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've been quite impressed with what the university's done, which is have plenty of, you know, mental health counseling services on site and and in different ways and capacities. And and our college has been doing, has been going all in on, on those efforts too. Mm -hmm. The, um, we've had a lot of great trainings, available uh, just in terms of teaching yeah. in, in days after traumatic events. And it's it's helpful because you're like, gosh, what's the playbook for this? But unfortunately, there there is a bit of a playbook yeah. because it's not the first time no kidding. that something like this has happened. And so leaning into that expertise, I think, is really helpful, which sometimes universities have forget to do is to lean in on the expertise that they, that they have on site. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I know for my class, when we, when we came back, I, I just bought everybody Panera. We have about a, a, a class of eight graduate students. Nice. And we, we hung out and just kind of talked and, and shared and listened and um, thought about how we wanted to proceed. 
mm-hmm. and uh, cut some stuff from the syllabus that I could and and uh, kind of go from there. Like I was ready to teach if they wanted me to, but you know, I felt like we 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 we, we weren't ready yet. We just yeah. needed to be together. Yeah. So. So I have a I kind of want your thoughts on this. We got an email at where I teach about what happened at Michigan State. There was actually a little bit of a a contentious email thread debate in my inbox. One of the professors, I think she's in a higher up administrative type of position. She said, you know, there is no world where we will ever not be at the face of violence. So we should lean more into that like trauma and mental health counseling, as you mentioned, Matt. Mm-hmm. Another woman said, I refuse to believe or buy into the ideal that we always have to face violence. Why should why not use this as an opportunity to educate students on gun legislation? What do you think? Yeah, it's 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 funny. I, like, I don't think it's an either or um, yeah. kind of situation. Like, I, I think that um, and this is this is terrible. I didn't actually I felt like it was more of a question of when this would happen here versus if unfortunately that is given, terrible yeah given the prevalence of the way that this has gone and I you know I remember April 20th 1999 watching the events of Columbine unfold and and hearing then we've got to have reform and things have only gotten worse since yeah then. and so I um I, I think that we certainly do need to have supports. And I think that that's going to be helpful and, and what the supports are going to be best for people or it's going to vary. Um, yeah. I haven't accessed any of the, the counseling services. Um, I have accessed them for other things in my life, but not, not now. Um, yeah. I just needed to have some time to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I'm different, you know, I, I don't, um, uh, have a whole lot of faith in, um, you know, reform when it comes to, you know, firearms, guns. I, uh, yeah, I've got my own personal perspectives on that and, and what I would like to see, but, you know, people talk about, um, you know, Michigan now is a, the Democrats have control of, of the, um, you know, all the elements of the government which mm-hmm. is an opportunity, but there's also, you know, very strong recall effort uh, yeah. that's being threatened against them. And, and um, you know, I just, uh, <laughs> like, I think that, I think that I'd like to see change, but I'm not very hopeful, you know, hopeful, unfortunately, but maybe I'm just pessimistic yeah. or just, you know, having seen nothing change, you know, I would love it if it did. Yeah. Pessimistic or realistic, man. Yeah. That's the question I get all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just a crappy world. You know, it's, it's crappy to have yeah. to explain this stuff to your kids because I never had to deal with these lockdowns when I was in school. It was, you know, um, tornado drills. And, uh, cause I was in high school when Columbine came, came through. And so, you know, but my kids are fluent in these active shooter drills. And Which is so and depressing. Three, I mean, your kids are young. Three and five. Yeah. And they've, they've been through this way more than, than, um, I have ever. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. While we're on the topic of, uh, politics and university, have you seen how 
politics have made their way into the university setting or have they not made their way in? I mean, I, I guess I'm asking what changes have you seen in light of the last two to three years? Yeah, I know that there is, um, you know, because there's a lot of controversy and especially in, in some states about uh, colleges yeah. being uh, <laughs> sort of this hotbed for indoctrination, yeah. Li- the liberal indoctrination. <laughs> And um, yeah, the mind virus. Right, right. And it's, you know, it's kind of tricky because I, in the College of Education where I've worked, I, I think it's um, tends to be a little bit more progressive mm-hmm. than maybe some of the other units on campus. And I'm not saying that um, any of my colleagues, you know, they're all very, very talented people, smart, smart sure. Um but um, and I, and I don't see a lot of political intolerance. Like I, I actually, I can't think of an instance where I've seen political intolerance. Yeah. And and I I wouldn't really. And when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's so many different things that's, that are important with those conversations. I I like to bring that up. Like you know, I too consider myself liberal, but I, th- I think it's important that we, that we are, um, when we talk about diversity of political opinions, um, yep. and maybe, you know, not ones that are entirely destructive or harmful. I mean, those can come from all sides, right? Sure. Absolutely. But, um, which is something that often gets forgotten about often disability yeah. too. When we talk about, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, disability gets left out from that, but I don't, I don't see, or hear about those those cases of those professors. Um, yeah, I don't either. Right, and but I but I do though. I will say I am I am um, awfully careful about how I frame things because literally, like one of my one of my um, this is the kind of thing that keeps me up at night is like ending up on the news as like the look at this like commie professor who's like gone off the rails <laughs> and. You know, like, for example, like when we talk about things like um, when I'm explaining radical behaviorism mm-hmm. and, we, and we're talking about free will, um, it can be those ideas can be incongruent with um, if, if someone uh, might be a member of a certain um, religious group or person of faith, you know, kind of broadly defined. And mm-hmm. I always like to make clear, it's like I. I'm not trying to tell you or anybody like how you should believe in your personal life. And like, that's, that's not it at all. And, and like, in fact, like you do you, mm-hmm. but this is what's important to know to understand uh, what this is. But, but I wonder if the people who do um, fall victim to sort of being called out for trying to do those things, like do a poor job of framing. Yeah. And because some things are just going to be controversial and yeah. make people uncomfortable and like, that's sure. okay. You know, but I think like framing it is probably not a bad idea, whether mm-hmm. or not you agree with the fact that you should frame it or not um, is another thing. But honestly, if anyone's been paying attention, they should know that like, it's if they, at least if they don't want to get called into the Dean's office, they should, they should probably do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, 
I was really nervous about this too. Um, I had no idea what the students would be like, the student body in terms of their their attitudes and what they would tolerate. Because all we see in the news is, you know, this very teeny weeny wedge, like this mm. fraction of society where they make these, gosh, these poor kids, they make them seem insane um, on the news and on YouTube. I have never one time seen that on any campus I've ever been to. And we're, I mean, whether it's university level or like, K through 12, I still have never seen any instance of that. And I'm in Illinois, where you would think that would maybe be more prevalent. Right. But. Yeah, I've, I, I can't think of a situation either, where I've had um, someone's, you know, a professor, instructor, like really kind of try and cram some political ideology. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the in the other part, too, it's like, Maybe I just don't care. Like maybe they have, <laughs> and I and I've just been like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Like yeah. I still, I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to it. discuss. Yeah, yeah. Then I just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe it's I interesting. It. It, it's like, well, that's thought provoking. Okay, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it is because I think in the context of framing, do you feel like too that? if you build enough of a, a nice trusting foundation with your students that there would necessarily be a need to frame or like take the precaution to frame, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think 100%. And, and I think that that, um, you know, that takes time. Like when I think about the cohort of students, you, you know, in our master's program here, or maybe doc students, yeah. um, you know, by like the second or third class that they may have with me, um, I think we're all on the same page and, and, and sort of trust that we're here and we're talking and, and it's an academic exercise. Yeah. Versus that's something that you have to sort of establish, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with that first class. If, and and so it takes takes a lot of repeating and repetition practice to be able to set that up. But it it's helpful, mm-hmm. um, not only for instruction, but I think in terms of like, you know, life too. And I would want them to do that. Yeah. Um, as supervisors or leaders or whatever they decide to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I, I know I messaged you and asked you, is it typical to be observed as an adjunct? I found out the answer. It was like, everyone is being observed if you're new to the university. So, so they weren't like coming down. They, on weren't, they weren't. And I was, I was worried because yeah. I don't hold a whole lot back. <laughs> When I told my students, okay, on Monday, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be observed. Well, I'm going to be observed. You guys just do your thing. They're not watching you. And they said, oh, does that mean you have to like act normal? (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? Then they started lecturing me saying, you know what, Ms. Barrett, you have like so much shit on your PowerPoint slides, all of your weird videos, and you always put Jigsaw up there whenever you're going to have us do an activity. Don't do that on Monday. (laughs) So... Awesome. Yeah, and it's great because I mean, I, I talk to my dad about all this all the time, and he's he always told me, I know that this will just fall on deaf ears, Kayla, but be careful. I know you won't, but just in the climate, be careful. And I'm really thankful yeah. that I don't think uh, many universities are as fragile as uh, we've been led to believe they are. Yeah, I mean, I think I think which is good because we have to have opposing viewpoints, and we have to if we're all thinking the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a problem, but I, I, I think too, um, and you know, you and I have talked a lot back channel about like how much I appreciate free speech and, and, and value that. And 
um, I think like censorship just generally, mm-hmm. like if you're going to censor liberal or conservative ideology, just to kind of like, you know, yeah. categorize it, it, it causes problems. Absolutely. It's, it's problematic. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a, just a very contradictory uh, argument. It's probably like a year old now, but this was when they were wanting to introduce critical race theory into schools. And all of the, the liberal side was was more understand. They said, yes, this is important to teach. The, the, of course, conservative side was very much, you can't possibly teach this because of the indoctrination fear. Um, but that's that's also not fair. It's like, that's not how free speech works, where something that you absolutely loathe should be censored. I mean, right. it just because you're teaching something doesn't mean necessarily that kids are going to gallivant out of the building uh, <laughs> trying to right. indoctrinate, indoctrinate other people. Right. If only learning were that easy. Exactly. Gosh. We probably wouldn't need to have our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I think things would be a lot more safer because we would just say, oh, hey, you know, be kind to one another and resolve your problems peacefully. There you go. We learned, that, we learned that in kindergarten. And we see how that's working out. Yeah. So we haven't upheld that one, have we? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. I, I, I don't ever know what happened with that whole thing. Did you ever hear about kind of the resolve to that whole critical race theory debate? You know, I hate, I hate to say that America has a, a short attention span, but, Amer- you know, Amer- yeah, like a goldfish <laughs> pundits seem to have a short attendance, attendance, sp- or attention span, at least. Um, and, but also I think that, you know, I've got some, you know, some of my colleagues here, are intelligent people who are scholars of critical race theory mm-hmm. go- going about their day in, in, yeah. in teaching and, and, um, you know, for anything, and, and I, and I, I find a lot of value in, in, in that, but like, if for anything, it's like academic freedom, yo, <laughs> like, yeah. We, should, yeah. we should celebrate that if for any other reason, but also because, um, this is an important, you know, um, thing for us to understand. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't heard about it lately, but again, Michigan's kind of in a different place now politically. Yeah. Um, than it was uh, even a year ago. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, that might be fluid. Who knows? Yeah. So there was a debate on Vice. Actually, I think it just came out yesterday about education. So this wasn't so much in the university that I think they had mostly public high school teachers in there. Mm -hmm. But most of what they were discussing is uh, relevant to all or all in any educator. One of the things that was brought up was, is there anything that that should absolutely never be taught in a school setting. Do you think there is anything at all that's off limits? Boy, this is a really interesting question. Um, (laughs) Assumptions here being, is there like an eight, like I think about age Mm -hmm. as being like, um, because you have like this sort of developmental maturity that probably needs to be considered. Um, and I'm not like a developmental psych person. So if, my apologies to anybody who out there who is and just heard me butcher that statement. Yeah. Um, you know, because like, let me, for example, like when we had these tragic events at Michigan State where somebody 
murdered three of our students um, with yeah. firearm. Schools canceled the next day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're talking about this in class and my daughter's in kindergarten. And my wife and I had to have a conversation mm-hmm. with her about this and teach her about this. And, you know, how are you going to frame it to a five-year-old? It's going to be different than how you're going to yeah. talk about it to a 12th grader. Yeah. And so obviously that's a consideration, but sheltering or holding things back, um, if you're going to do something like that, it's got to, you sort of have to, I mean, you just sort of have to be careful Um, (laughs) because, because I don't know if it leads to a lot of trust, at least, at least in these, you know, growing minds. And I think about a lot of things that I was, um, uh, told that we're not true um, about all sorts of things in in um, uh, in school and, and you know I'm a product of um, what was it Reagan's war on drugs yeah. and I'm not I'm not yeah. like um, or or dare rather yeah, like, like I'm the not crack epidemic yeah and I'm and I'm not saying we're advocating that anybody does does one thing, you know, or the other. But um, a lot of the information that we received there was just wrong. Yeah. And right. and I even I laugh about like the reefer madness stuff, right? Like that was always really funny. It's like you're not gonna you're not gonna melt into a couch. <laughs> Again, I'm not suggesting anybody does one thing or another, but it's it's when, yeah. when kids when when you, people learn or see that adults are being deceptive or withholding. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help with with creating trust, mm-hmm. and so I think at the very least, I don't. There's, like that's you have to think about those kinds of consequences of withholding information from people, yeah, or framing too. I know it's not like directly answering the, the question, um, but you know, okay, so like the consequences of withholding information about the true history of the United States and and. Um, you know, as an example, that that has lasting consequences. Mm-hmm. But that's for, for a lot of times, you don't see those consequences until, yeah, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years in the person's Later life. On in life. So it, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> did that answer that? Or did I just cop yeah, out? No, no, you didn't at all. Because the thing is, I don't think there's any answer to it. Right. I, I mean, it's impossible to to try i mean you could imagine or visualize what the consequences may be but who is to say what being how, how being withheld from information will impact the rest of your life all we know is that as a kid it probably won't be something that interferes too much with your well-being or your relationships but i mean these sorts of things we've seen pretty heavily impact adult relationships right. so i don't know that there's an answer to that question yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And, and, um, you know, I, I can understand people wanting to protect the innocence of the kids and like, it's hard yeah. having a conversation, um, you know, about something like this. And I, I felt like something was just sort of taken away by sharing that something happened so close yeah. to home. Um, but I guess I'd rather it come from me, mm-hmm. my wife versus, you know, you go to school and you hear like, it's, you know, when kids in kindergarten talk, it's like this game with telephone, all of a sudden, like it was a giraffe yeah. that was like running around it. And again, I'm not trying to make light <laughs> of the situation, but like 
you yeah. know, I can't control the narrative there. So, you yeah. know, might as well just try to be honest about it as I can at home. How do you feel about free speech as it pertains to social media? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's saying what you want and what you feel online is, is a really good way to make friends and enemies. Um, mm-hmm. A lot faster and easier, oh, too. Yeah. But it's um, it's uh, it's important, and it comes. Then the boundaries of this are really sort of interesting. Like the ones that I think about have to do with like threats and um, you know, nefarious actors or or you know, governments. Um, mm-hmm. But it's um, you know, I would be really upset if 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 something that I said. Uh, was censored. And, you know, I've heard things about people's employers trying to censor the, um, you know, what they say online, Um, you know, which I think is problematic. Um, And especially, again, we we talked about like, um, you know, universities being sort of like this punching bag of, you know, for some politicians. I think some someone will take an academic quote or tweet out of context, and all of a sudden, Absolutely. you know, Ted, Ted Cruz is is capitalizing on it, and and with I mean, yeah. Ted, Ted. So you know, for listeners, Ted, there was a student here at MSU um, who was sharing something or did a project, and and Ted Cruz got a hold of it and in the and and posted it, and the student was getting all oh, these wow. comments, and the professor, yeah, this was like last year. Damn. Um, just to kind of use this as a, as an example and it creates this, all this division. Um, yeah, it's all out of context, of course. Right. Always. Um, but again, like I think if people are sharing things that maybe people might not necessarily disagree with, but it's part of this academic discourse. Uh, I think that that's really important. Mm -hmm. Censorship is, um, is pretty, is pretty serious. Um, you know, at least when I think about in the context of, uh, you know, of my job and my work. Um, but then there's times where it's clear I'm not at, you know, I think being clear about when you're acting in your capacity as, you know, an employee mm-hmm. versus when you're acting in your capacity as like just Matt, like a person who, I don't know, just like the dude. The dude, um, Matt, that lives in the middle of nowhere versus right. Professor Matt B. Right. You know, I mean, and, and, and I think that sometimes people fail to make those distinctions and that gets them in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, people end up getting fired from jobs and. Uh, yeah, you know. I've had a lot of contracts retracted because of my social media. Huh. Yeah, like the and this was, you know, this was maybe a little over a year ago when I was actually like in the job market for some time. Um, they said, well due to your references and seeing what we quote unquote stumbled upon on social media, we've decided to, to move forward with somebody else. I said, well, I didn't send you any references, so I know that's not true. Right. <laughs> but in the scope of, you know, we saw your social media. Yeah. I'm, I'm very blunt on there. Um, I think it's a little bit shady to kind of use that as part of the hiring process. And if that was something that was very concerning, I just felt like that could have been brought up in a very different way. Um, I wish they would have asked me questions about things that they might've seen that there were concerning, but 
So stuff like that, I think, is just very, very odd. I, th- I think about it, too. Um, you know, I, I maybe I'm, you know, an outlier here, but in the searches that we conduct here, mm-hmm. I don't that's not a place I go. Like yeah. I look at the packet of the materials that are presented and, um, you know, go go through the sort of standard process. And mm-hmm. I think about. Or you, you you talk with the references and in and, and, and whatever it be. Sure. But if you're if you're doing those assessments for some candidates and not others, I think that that creates a problem, or at least I would I would uh, raise a concern there if anyone was like, well, I went to this person's social media, but I didn't go check out this other person's social media. I'd be like, well, you yeah. why are you sort of differentially applying, you know, this random standard here? This is, if anything, mm-hmm. I wonder if this might be like a problem, like a liability. And I hate to yeah. always be thinking about that. Um, yeah. And maybe it is or isn't, I don't know, I'm not an HR lawyer. I always want to <laughs> disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. Um, but don't contact Matt for any legal no, concerns. Please no, please don't. Um, but I, but I like to, but like, I, I'm, I'm always, I've always just thought that that was weird. Um, yeah. And because, and then again, cause I just think like, well, the, it's the internet, you, you know, or on you know social media, you use it for whatever you want to use it for. Mm-hmm. It's not like, who cares? Um, yeah. And again, it goes back to that thing where we talked about, am I, uh, I guess operating as independent Kayla or Professor yeah. Kayla, it would be different if I said, oh, I am Professor Kayla at XYZ University um, and, and p- maybe posting the things that I post. I could see where that might get muddy in some ways. Yeah. But I mean, this is just Kayla Perry on social media. This isn't my professional, um, you know, my professional persona online. So sure. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 disappointing. It's also weird too because um given the demand you know yeah. for people with y- your skill set, you must have really ticked them off. <laughs> no kidding. I, that's why I was really wondering. I was like, you know, even if you don't want to hire me, that's fine. Uh you're kind of a bitch anyway. I would love to talk to you about what it was that ticked you off to the point of going with a, a different candidate. I mean, right. that to me is I've always found that really interesting when, you know, someone takes such offense to something they read that wasn't directed at them at all. Um, Cause that's happened to me several times. Like this, this wasn't, there's, do you see your name anywhere in here? I try to be empathetic that things strict strike a certain chord given the context and the situation, but that's just always been really interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and it makes me wonder where I might be shadow banned. Oh um, Yeah. Yeah, there might be a couple people out there uh, that are after Matt B. That have shadow banned me. I w- we won't name them because this is a this yeah. is a family podcast, right? <laughs> but uh, this is PG. But, yeah, you you really were shadow banned. Fun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been that way for a long time, and that's another thing where it's like you know sometimes I get embarrassed that um, that I tend to get caught up in this sort of thing with even worrying about something like that. Like, I hate that that's something that um, concerns me for whatever reason it does. I guess I'm still trying to mentally parse that out. But um, yeah, that's, that's funny how, how people take things so personally that have really nothing to do with them. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're occupying a lot of free real estate Mm -hmm. in their heads, which is, uh, 
I don't know. It's the price of land keeps on going up. It could be lucrative. True. So totally, it's a hot commodity yeah. right here. <laughs> like well, what? <laughs> housing crunch? What housing crunch? I've got real estate everywhere. This is great. It's like monopoly. <laughs> While we're on the topic of social media, Matt Broadhead, talk to me about how you've been trying to train Chat GPT to play chess with you. Yeah. So I've been really interested in seeing if I could get um, Chat GPT to basically finish a game of chess and if so like what you know what does the interaction um, look like and so for anybody who's listening who hasn't used chat gpt before Mm -hmm. i strongly encourage you to check it out because it's really really cool um and i think that uh you know there's a lot of hype about how all these college professors are like oh it's 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 feeding plagiarism. Yeah. Like this is a tool that if we can figure out how to use and leverage is going to really, really make our jobs and lives easier. Like ask that thing to make you IEP goals. For example, I just challenge you. It's, it it does a really good job. It's freaky. So, so yeah, I, I, um, I've been playing chess. This is at least far back of, um, you know, maybe like 11 or 12 or something. And I, uh, I play, I play a lot online. I play a lot of correspondence chess. And, um, they're getting into doing in-person over-the-board tournaments. And so I just feel familiar enough with the game to kind of know like, you know, what might be strong moves and what aren't strong moves or good choices. And so I've been asking ChatGPT. Basically, I give it the move, and then I ask it to make, you know, the best response. And the, the times that I've played it, I've been able – to get to like the seventh move and it's and it's working really well and it's really logical and then it kind of breaks down starts telling me to do things that are illegal like move pieces <laughs> through pieces that you know just isn't possible or it still thinks a piece is still there and it isn't mm-hmm. even though it has all of the notation that um it would need to um to be able to figure out exactly where all the pieces were on the board but it's it's an exciting bit of AI, and I think that chess has a um, uh, a really sort of unique place in terms of technology and this whole thing about human versus machine. Because oh yeah, it, it was um, you want to think about Gary Kasparov was a was a famous chess player that got put up against Deep Blue, which is one mm-hmm. of the very first like you know supercomputers of chess, and and um, funny now. Um, when someone does really, really well in a chess game, uh, they'll choose, they'll, they'll accuse their opponent of, of using the computer uh, oh. to aid, to aid them. And this is, mm. there's been some, you know, uh, recent controversy in chess and, you know, with some certain tournaments and players and stuff. But when Gary Kasparov was first playing uh, deep blue and it beat him, he accused the computer of having human help. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> It's funny how far things have come with that. Um, what a so, world. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, chat GPT, it's weak in its chess game, but I've, I've asked it to write me code in, in R wow. and it will do it. Um, I've asked it to give me, you know, 300 words on positive reinforcement with APA citations and it will do it. Yeah. And well, even really quick, I sorry to cut you off. Even no. the the GPT three, which was like the the precursor to Chat GPT, it was able to pass the um, God. What school is that? 
the Wharton professor's MBA exam. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Like that one, just that one Wharton person who is like really popular, like the business. <laughs> Adam Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, AI has uh, has surpassed Adam Grant in the world of industrial psychology. Yeah, and, and it's um, and we were playing around with it the other day in my research methods class, and we were having a conversation about ethics, and we were talking about it in the context of writing. How could we use ChatGPT to write or to mm-hmm. write with it versus it just doing the work for us? You know, which which you know I would argue would be problematic. Yeah, but I asked it to tell me like the similarities and differences between like a reversal and a multiple baseline design, excuse me, a withdrawal and a multiple baseline design. And it mm-hmm. gave me an answer that was so good that I'd be really, really pleased if any of my students had given this to me. Like there might yeah. be one or two things that's just kind of like a little off, but like it was really good. And and that's niche. You know, those are really niche designs. And uh, so if it's capable there, like I'm sure it's like slaying the Wharton professor stuff. You know? It's super eerie um, what it's able to come up with. Even the most insane requests. Like I was messing around with my students too. It was great because it was my bigger class where the the projector is the size of the entire wall. Right. So we got to see this conver- conversation, air quotes, play out. The students were going crazy. How can we make it talk in the voice of Adam Sandler? <laughs> like How accurate this thing is able to be almost impersonating another person is actually kind of terrifying is it terrifying maybe that's the wrong word i don't know how to explain it 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 can be if you let it or (laughs) or it can be you know really remarkable like we had it um i asked it to write me like a 200 word summary about like the ford f-150 just because i drive one and my grandpa worked for ford and that's what you do when you're in michigan you're like a ford or chevy person (laughs) and and then we're like okay rewrite it but in in the form of taylor swift lyrics Oh my god! And, and it just it like it nailed it, and it gave us two, uh, you know two verses, and in and repeated the chorus twice. It, and it's like this wow. is, and it was about love. <laughs> it's, it does it so quickly too. I mean, it's yeah, it's so funny. So I just tried to log on to my account. It literally says Chat GPT is at capacity right now, but then it says it gave us a little um, interim elevator wrap about chat GPT. Here's the first, here's the first paragraph, Matthew Broadhead. Yeah, yo, what's up chat GPT fam? A lot of people trying to jam, but don't worry, we got your back. Just check back soon and we'll get on track. (laughs) Check back soon and we'll get on track. Chat GPT, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what, maybe you know more about this than me. Um, There's some voice, Active, uh, not activation. That's not the right word. There's some voice production aspect of Chat GPT, isn't there? Is there? I think. I, I feel like I was sent um, a weird voice memo where you could send it the basically the transcript, and you could choose what kind of voice it will say it in. Sounds very radio esque. You know, I think that that's possible. Um, I mean, I would think very likely because I've suspected for a long time that some of the pot, like the clunky troop crime podcasts that I might listen to to fall asleep at night are totally like AI. Like there's no way that these are people. Um, no way. Yeah. 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 I love how you say your crime podcast is like your nightlight or your good night lullaby. 
what does that say about me as a person? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I would, you know, aside from the fact that you may be a future serial killer, I think all of us are captivated by the, the crime era of, yeah. of the world. I, I, you know, whenever I like travel and um, have the hotel room to myself, which is rare uh, these days, mm-hmm. there's like two things that are guaranteed, like death and taxes. Um, one, I'm going to eat chips in the bed <laughs> and get crumbs everywhere and not feel guilty at all about it. Roll and around two, in them. And two, I'm going to watch <laughs> Forensic Files yeah. just on repeat. And that's it. And it, like yeah. that is like sweet, soothing sound to, to my ears. Like I, I don't know what it is, uh, but, it's but like, fascinating. I, love, I love that one in particular. Yeah. Is there any piece of you that would have ever considered a career, like an actual career in some sort of like forensic behavior analysis? No, because oddly, I like hate like any sort of like carnage or blood or, mm-hmm. or bodily fluids. Yeah. Like uh, I had, yeah. I have a hard enough time watching my cat get a shot. Oh, so, I know. Well, that's yeah. depressing. That's, yeah. that's different. The kitty. <laughs> Poor so, baby. Yeah, yeah, poor cats. Yeah, so so I um, yeah, that would just be that would just be tough for me. Could I learn to do it? I don't know. Maybe. I think ChatGPT might be able to guide you through a desensitization procedure. Yeah, that would be cool. That, that, that would be, be cool. that would be interesting. There's an interesting research study to see if somebody like if like you could compare like the sort of ChatGPT guided you know therapy uh, compared to like some sort of like someone trained through some sort of common manualized intervention and see if, you know, oh. if there's any difference. Yeah. I wonder what go. that would be. Someone take that and roll with it, please. Just, just thank me. I don't even need that? authorship. Just thank me in a footnote somewhere if you don't mind or yeah, share the data. Cool. Don't even thank you. Just let me know what you find because I'm curious. Yeah. Send him an email. Let him know how, how much you appreciate him for that great idea. Yeah. Or if the idea stinks, that's okay too. Let me know. Like I'm, I'm trying to get Either better way. here. <laughs> At least someone was listening. Cool. All right. Good. I'm sure they're listening. Yeah. All 10 listeners. I'm sure they will make, they'll just go crazy with that. <laughs> right with it. Did you watch Mindhunter on Netflix? No. <gasps> you listened to forensic whatever files that you didn't see mine. Have you heard of it? No, I, I haven't. And like, okay, here's the oh. thing. It's like, I, I'm terrible with like shows. You know, in terms of focusing on the episode or like you just kind of like to listen and do things at the same time. Like I go with like what I really like, you know, or, or mm-hmm. what what works for me. But when it comes to like starting something new, especially um, it, it takes a lot and it drives my wife crazy because she's like, I heard this is really good. I'm like, yeah, or we could watch like <laughs> this movie for the fifth time. <laughs> Sounds great. I really played. (laughs) What movie would you watch? Um, uh, What repeat offender movie have you? uh, Yeah, I'm like, so I'm, I am uh, (laughs) from like, you know, a Zennial, right? So from the micro, people refer sometimes as elder millennials, but like, I like to think (laughs) of it as Zennial between Gen X and and, and, and millennial, but like, okay, like Big Lebowski, like cereal, like, yeah. a fan, right? And that's a fun one. 
I think so too. <laughs> yeah, that that movie that movie is great. Totally worth watching seven times. Yeah, yeah. You know, how so, about like a little Shawshank? Yeah. See, you know. Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, you're talking. That's like that's bringing me bringing me into my high school days right there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or like uh, another one I used to watch um, uh, quite a bit. And this was more like in high school. But have you ever seen Dead Man with Johnny Depp? It's like no. a black and white movie. Where he's Ooh, like I have sort of, a hard time with those. It's but like it's really eerie. And like Neil Young did the uh, the soundtrack for this movie, and it's all oh. just like this really like like twangy, like drawn out, like ambient, like kind of like country guitar tone throughout it. Cool. Um, it's really. I think it's really good. I should. I should watch that again. Um, <laughs> like another that, another repeat to add to your cue. Right. Or like this is gonna sound like I'm gonna like really be. Um, this might make me friends or lose them for me, but like Donnie Darko was another one in high oh, school. Oh, I love Donnie Darko. That one's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. I'm trying to think what other one. I feel like anything, the very typical, I love any mafia movie. So Casino, yeah. Goodfellas. I mean, there's like an unlimited amount of times you could watch those. Sure. Yeah. And um, what's the, uh, what's that HBO, God, I'm having a hard time, that HBO series of, um, that was really popular. It had like six seasons. Um, the Wire. The Wire. That's it. Oh gosh, the Wire. I should have known that. Terrible. Yeah. I Terrible. had a hard time getting into that. It was a very, very slow beginning. You, if if anything, you should watch. It's either the third or the fourth season. I think like the 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 season about education. Yeah, is, it's an excellent social commentary on education. In okay. my opinion, yeah. Yeah, I'm very interested in, in the whole education realm these days. And this yeah. is from, let's see, it's from 2002. Holy crap, it's 20 yeah. years ago. That's wild. Yeah, because like one of the cops ends up like becoming a teacher. It's kind of like mm. where the storyline kind of takes, if I if I remember it right. So That is really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Matt, you mentioned something Um when we were discussing this podcast about how did you phrase it? Ivory tower bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so it's and that's kind of um, the, 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 the elitism or basically I think about like the academics getting in their own way or, or losing sight of the purpose of the things that they're trying to accomplish but also I think like the hubris or excessive pride that um, that comes along with that. And, and um, which is really kind of like quite unfortunate. And you see this a lot in our profession and, and uh, I don't think that we're unique um, in this regard, but I think once you have a university affiliation or you get a PhD uh, I've seen it really go to people's heads And you have to, um, like, I don't know if I came to this conclusion early on or if I just, I like to think I always knew this because I'm just a humble kid from the hills of northern Michigan, but but who knows? But, like, when I walk out on the street off off of this campus, like, nobody cares. Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, they don't care at all. And, and, 
in fact, like you, you lose credibility um, if, if you start boasting about your education in some circles, you know, yeah. where, where I'm, you know, where I'm from. And, and um, it's, uh, it's, it's a really sort of fascinating thing. Cause it's also instilled like um, a level of expertise in people that, yeah, I think like the PhD or graduate degrees are, are decent markers of expertise they're not the only marker of expertise. They're helpful for consumers to be able to discriminate. But sometimes people don't engage in like the sort of like skepticism that they probably should, even though somebody might have a PhD. And that's how you get all this woo science, you know, sold. Um, and then that's how you get some of this, uh, you know, maybe nonsense that might be sort of perpetuated in, in, in our profession is that people don't, you know, sit back and go like, okay, well, you know, they have a PhD, but like what else might be like influencing the decision that they make? Um, what what conflicts of interest might they have in which we all have conflicts of interest and it's like, it's okay, right? Like, um, yeah, it's a human, it's a human yeah, tendency. Right. And, and it's like, if I'm getting money for selling my books, which I do just, you know, to be transparent or clear, like, um, like that's all right. But if I'm like advertising for my stuff, then you should at least know that, that that's affecting my behavior. Um, if you're selling a product or something or an assessment, um, those are really important types of disclosures. Um, it's funny that people don't, you know, just have more questions about that. Huh. I find it funny too. I find it especially funny when there's almost defensiveness when not even a criticism, but when you challenge uh, specific PhDs or specific theories in this in this field specifically, how defensive some practitioners get. Yeah, I find that fascinating. I've never experienced that before. Yeah, I I, I hope that um, uh, you know, and I've been talking about this for years. Like, I encourage people to disagree with the things that we've said or I've said, mm -hmm. and some have, and like that's cool. Um, and if People disagree with me. We should, you know, at least hear what they have to say. I hope that no one would be leaning on any word that I said like that much. Um, yeah. And uh, I also think like we should be happy. Like if we're, if we're saying things and people are taking the time to present alternatives, like you should be grateful mm -hmm. um, as an academic that that your your words or your work are are mm -hmm. reaching people in that way um yeah but we should not hold anybody in this um you know in a light where everything they touches turns to turns to gold and and they can do nothing wrong it's, it seems kind of strange you know or like we're in camps and like i know it's now yeah. it's not a different but like you know a couple of years ago i was like RFT or verbal behavior. And it's like, this is, oh, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> why, yeah are we, well, <laughs> why are we arguing about this? This is so silly. Well, now the arguments, I mean, we've had even more vicious arguments that have replaced those. I mean, those right. seem very vanilla compared to they the do. ones out there now. Yeah. Like I want to go back act. to those days. Me too. I'm like, I miss those stupid ass arguments. Yeah, those arguments were dumb, but, yeah. <laughs> have you seen uh, this negatively or adversely affects research yet <laughs> i think that 
I think that some people, some reviewers come from different certain lines of, of training labs yeah. and don't like it when they hear things that might be incongruent with how they were taught or what, what might fit into what they believe or their, or their narrative. I have, I've got, and I think that that's going to be ubiquitous across disciplines. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've, I've seen it. And I don't know who these people are. Cause you know, when you, re, when you review a paper, you're given uh, generally the reviews that everyone else made, but you don't know who, who the reviewers are. And you know, I could suspect where they might be coming from, um, you know, what lab they might've come from. And, and, uh, and so it makes sense that they're saying that, but I, I don't, I think they don't understand that they might be pretty biased, you know, um, yeah. be missing the big picture, you know, which I think is also why peer review is important and why it's also important to present, you know, different perspectives or takes. And, and, and I talk about, um, you know, I talk about skepticism and science being a social enterprise. One of the things I like to talk about is, is the whole, uh, you know, the Hanley versus like Fisher Iwata thing, you mm-hmm. know, as example, because I, cause yeah. that's one that's salient in everybody's mind and I can point to research articles and I can point to, you know, the stuff that, that, you know, Greg has published and I can point to the stuff that, you know, Wayne Fisher has, has published and others and be like, Hey, look at, <laughs> see, yeah. And like, this is really important that, that mm-hmm. this plays out in this way. And in that we can have a constructive conversation through, through the data and, um, and through these, through these publications and, and, and so forth. Um, I, you know, but I would hope that journals or reviewers, if they don't like those, at least can see the value in having it there. They don't have to agree with it. Mm-hmm. But again, when we, you, you go back to academic freedom and the importance of dissenting opinions and, and the, the challenges with censorship, yeah. uh, that, that's where it also creates problems if, if that is really, you know, crunched in there. Yeah. And also, where do you, I mean, where do we even start with something like that? Like, it's, it's very hard to see someone's boss. Well, I shouldn't say it's very hard all of the time. It can be very difficult to get a, a pulse on how biased someone is right. <laughs> before we, you know, include them in part of this peer review process. So, I mean, like, where, where would anybody even start in terms of trying to remedy that that issue? Yeah. And it's, you know, part of it is, I mean, experience in terms of the editor, whoever's handling things or choosing reviewers and then, but you can't choose every reviewer that exists. You have to do like two or three or four people. And so I think anybody who's, you know, looking at something is going to recognize, I got a snapshot. Hopefully it's, it's broad, but it very well, you know, could not be. And, Mm -hmm. um, and at the very least be open to additional submissions or that might sort of challenge or be contrary to that. Then, the, then it's what's much more rich, you know, then the body becomes much more rich. If that's clear, I don't know. Totally clear. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. There's mud, Matt. In, in whatever twilight zone we're in right now, it was very clear to me. It's clear. We're like the, we're like the water looks like it's mud. 
it's clear water. The water could be clear as gin, but it but it looks like mud because it's just black and white. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, it's total it's totally up for outsider interpretation. Right, right. It's <laughs> the beauty of it all. Well, Matthew Broadhead, as we wrap up, do you have any thoughts? Thoughts, comments, questions, concerns for the six people who will be listening to this. <laughs> yeah, be skeptical and um, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think it's really important um, to be able to do. And uh, uh, even people who are in places of authority, uh, it's all right to, you know, sec- double check what they mm. might be telling you. Fact um, check. Yeah. And then teach your people to do the same with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will create trust all around there too. Right. Cause I think we all want the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, question authority and listen to punk rock they, or listen to Metallica. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Metallica tool rage against the machine. I, I saw t- that tell you, I saw tool. I saw tool too. Yeah. This was back in, um, uh, was it 10,000 days without the album? Um, yeah, that was a, that was a long time ago. That was when I saw him. Actually it was, it was here. We drove from my hometown in Harbor Springs, Michigan, down to the Breslin center oh. here at Michigan state in three hours. And, and, um, the drummer had, or the stage was just like a giant, like screen. Yes. Um, it's freaky, but they were sweet. They were awesome. I love how Maynard like kind of creeps into the back like a yeah. total weirdo. You really have no idea where anybody is. Yeah, yeah. Like they were they were really good. And I wasn't sure. I was a skeptic. I'm going to admit. My, my buddy Paul was like, "Oh, you got to go." <laughs> so I was like, I was, "I was like, okay, you know, it's it's still, good. it was the only opportunity I ever had to see Tool. I'm glad I went." And, and I was like, "This is like this is awesome." Yeah, your body vibrates for like four days after. I can a still Tool feel concert. it. I can still feel it. The low, still the low end. The low end. You know, here we are. Um, Residual vibration. It might even be like 20 years, almost 20 years later. Like it's still there. It's a permanent product. Yeah, it's a permanent product, right? You can question authority, but not question that. That's fact right there. That's fact. That is fact. logic. <laughs> you're not allowed to disagree with that one. Otherwise, you're a bigot. <laughs> Well, Matt, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the laughs. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Can't wait for the next one. I can't wait either. 